All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Puget Systems Podcast live Q&A show. This week, we're joined by Sarah Dietschy. Rhymes with Peachy. I feel like that's like the actual official end of your name. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to change my last name to Rhymes with Peachy. Oh, but then I wouldn't have a last name to rhyme yeah. with. <laughs> Uh, and we also have Matt Bach, our internal expert for video production, um, kind of the general uh, general content creation expert inside of here. Um, and this is going to be a lot of fun. I think this is, um, I'm excited. I always get excited to, to have, talk with experts and stuff outside of my own little wheelhouse. And so um, just in case, and I don't think that this is going to be the case, but just in case anybody doesn't already know who you are, Sarah, please give us a little intro of who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am a YouTuber now based in Dallas, Texas. I was in New York for five years, so it's weird to like publicly say that now. Back in my hometown, but I make videos about tech and creativity. Um, you know, I love tech, but it, I also like to share like how it actually affects creators. So um, at the core of it, I'm a video editor. I know everyone's obviously a video editor if they do YouTube, but before this, you know, I would make. I call. I don't want to call them silly, but it started with like wedding films, corporate stuff, you know, kind of the more boring, boring stuff. And then I pivoted into YouTube. I started my channel in 2011, went full time in 2016 and have been doing it ever since then. So I do tech reviews. I do behind the scenes. I talk to other creators um, and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, I guess I guess to start. Um, oh, I was just going to say, I, I saw, yeah. saw Jay Littman uh, just said hi. I was just on his uh, or watching his stream, too, and he's Amazing. similar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so actually, that's kind of an interesting part to start off with. You said you started with kind of just corporate um, boring stuff, I suppose is how you said it. What What was the first pivot outside of that? Um, so I was always doing YouTube on the side because I was just always into gear. Um, mm -hmm. And it's and it's so funny. I it's if I had my way, I would just like sit down and like only talk about gear, but I think that gets too meta for people now. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, in the beginning it was just like unboxings of camera equipment and stuff. So, you know, it's like, okay, got another wedding film, but look, I got this like awesome 35 millimeter 1.4. And I know I'm just describing like a lens unboxing, but back in the day in 2014, um, when people would not just unbox it, but actually go outside their desk, that was a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I know a lot of people like add their life and, and vlogging to tech reviews now, but I think that was something in the beginning that was kind of different is, you know, I would go beyond my desk and I would go out in the world and show you actually how this lens or camera look, looks. And I would talk to you and I would, you know, introduce my friends in the video and kind of combine like vlogging and tech and all that stuff. So um, when I was doing the main thing, you know, being a second shooter for a wedding or it's funny, the first wedding that I ever did, it was like a probably the best way that you can learn things is you just get submerged. I started just as a second shooter, but then the guy was like, I really don't want to edit this. If I give you an extra 500 bucks, can you edit it? I had never edited a wedding film before. And I was like, I guess, sure. It was the most stressful thing ever, but like I learned so much. And I think that's where I kind of fell in love also with storytelling and, you know, just telling a story through a five minute video. Um, so yeah, everything was kind of happening at the same time. So I was really getting whatever gigs I could get to maintain. Um, and when I started, I was still living at my parents' house. I went to college for electrical engineering. So I did that at a, at a local school. So really every job I got, I was just like, okay, 
what's more video equipment I can buy? Cause I started as an editor. So I really, I had like five years of video editing under my belt, but I didn't know how to use a camera. So I kind of <laughs> learned that with my YouTube audience in the beginning, which was fun. And yeah, so every job I had, I was like, okay, what YouTube video can I do about it or about the equipment I'm using? And then, you know, I played electric guitar a lot. So I would post videos just about like that kind of gear. And I was just a gearhead. So sure. all of those side hustles was just like, it had no structure, but it was all about like, Hey, look at this pedal or like, Hey, look at this camera. And that was kind of the beginning. And then uh -huh. I decided to take it more seriously, you know, a couple of years later. Sure. That's kind I of dropped out of college. <laughs> so, um, you mentioned that there wasn't a lot of like structure into it and you kind of learned some of the storytelling part of it. Did you do any sort of like a official, um, like I guess professional education in that for that side no, of things or just kind of figured it out? So I will say my, probably the most, uh, traditional education I had in it was my sophomore year of high school. I took an A for V class. Um, and then, I mean, okay. So I complain about school a lot, but it's mostly college. Okay. <laughs> I hated college. Um, but I will say high school, it, it nearly killed me. Didn't sleep a lot. Cause I was trying to be the perfect student, but also, you know, like pursue my hobbies and music and video. What I will say about the high school I went to is they were just like very accepting of, Hey, instead of writing a paper for this history project, you can make a video if you want. And I just, I took that and ran with it. So I had an A for V class, uh, sophomore year of high school, and I had already been using iMovie and I was making goofy, you know, videos with my family starting in probably sixth or seventh grade. And, um, once I got to high school and I took that class cause I was interested in it, that's where I officially learned final cut pro seven. So that's where, you know, you learn actually like, okay, how to key out a green screen, how to, um, you know, do basic effects and how to do basic storytelling. And that helped me a lot. And then once I had that class, every project I had, like, it didn't matter if it's my economics class or like art history, you know, it was usually more of the elective -y type things. I have so many videos from my high school that are just like music rap videos. So I would like take a song, write lyrics about economics or something to that song. And then we would just like film a music video for it. Oh, that's cool. So, so that's my, uh, I wouldn't say professional training, but there was one year of my life, sophomore year at high school when, yeah, I had a teacher who was teaching us every day about this stuff. But beyond that, it was all internet. So. I mean, you can find so much everything, you know, on YouTube and I mean, from people like you, people, you know, other people, you know, doing all these tutorials, like mm -hmm. anything you want to learn. It yeah. feels like. Yeah, it's crazy. Can. Yeah. Yeah. Now, nowadays, the, the, the barrier to entry to learning of anything is so is so easy nowadays. It's it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yes. But however, comma, there's still <laughs> a lack. I don't understand this and maybe someone could explain this, but there's still a lack of talent, which is really weird. Um, I think it's because we sped up into this thing where everyone wants to be the star in the YouTuber. Mm -hmm. So I guess everyone wants to be that, but so few people actually want to be like the rock star number two who edits everything. Um, and I'm like, guys, okay. Being a YouTuber can be fun at times, but it can also be really stressful. You can still make a decent amount of money and have a great life by being someone's like editor who just like gets the job done. Um, I've had such a hard time 
Well, I will say I'm unique because my thing is editing. So I'm a perfectionist with it. So I'm probably not the best person to explain this process. And yeah, it's basically just like, okay, I've been doing this for over 10 years. At some point you have to be like, you need to get help if you want to expand. And the editor was the hardest thing to find. And it was crazy because I finally found a really good editor on Fiverr out of all the places. I went through years and years of like, hey guys, apply here or like, you know, asking for referrals and it just never worked out. So I'm finding in, in the most random places, you know, I find people here and there, but that's what I say. If you're watching out there and you got a fancy PC or maybe just a computer that can run a video editing program, get on YouTube, watch those free tutorials and you can start like I know people probably think Upwork and Fiverr is like not legit, but man, it is such a good start. And you can just you can make money easy in video editing if you're good. I know that I just took a tangent, but selfishly, too, because sure. I'll probably need you in the future. So get it, guys. <laughs> no, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, probably the hardest thing with a lot of this is that there's so much content out there that you can learn from. And yes. sometimes it looks polished, but it's not the right that's actually, Yeah, thing. that's true. And um, that's where the courses actually do come in and they're handy. Yeah. So if you can find someone who's like really good at it and you can cough up the few hundred bucks or maybe sometimes they're even a thousand, I think that's when courses sometimes help you with getting your time back because that's very true. Yeah. yeah. There's also, I, I think both Black Magic and Adobe have pretty decent like intro courses, like official ones. Uh, Black Magic, especially, I know they ha they've got a really in depth one. Uh, Adobe yeah. is uh, it's a little more basic, but like at least then you know you're getting the fundamentals mm -hmm. correct, <laughs> and then you exactly. can go onto YouTube and, and start fine. But I mean, there's plenty of like if you can find someone who has like a big old playlist of like how to you know edit in Premiere, that's mm -hmm. probably better quality than just a one off video. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find, um, so now that you're kind of made it big, um, do you find, do you find that you turn to, um, or let me rephrase, um, what sort of resources do you turn to when you run into an issue editing or filming? That yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess just YouTube. I mean, yeah. my entire life is YouTube. I make YouTube videos. I watch YouTube videos. I mean, literally just last night I was trying to, cause we're doing some work on our apartment and just last night I was, you know, I just Googled how to, how oh, was I trying? I was basically trying to change the color of a piece of furniture and cabinets. And you'd think that would be so easy, right? Really? But it's like, well, no, if you just do a solid color fill, it's just going to be a block of color. You're not going to be getting the shadows and highlights and the intricacies of the furniture below. So yeah, just last night I was like uh, searching YouTube tutorials on, on that stuff. So, so really that's how I've built, I guess, everything is just like searching things online. And I think that's why I feel like I have a duty to like give back and like also teach what I'm learning in real time. Um, but that's also how I learn every day. And that's how I learn new skills, you know, and, and it's fun. I, that's just life projects. Like you just get yourself into something in over your head. Renovations is usually something that people get really overwhelmed with. And I'm, I'm using it as an opportunity to learn some new creative skills. That's the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> I want to grab this question actually from Jay Littman on YouTube. He asks, question for Sarah, as an editor, do you feel weird about hiring an editor? It feels weird to me to hire someone to do the thing I teach. Yeah. Oh, welcome to the club. 
Jay. Holy crap. I had, I mean, that's why I, uh, hesitated or that's why I, I didn't do it for so long because there's a lot of insecurity there where I never want someone to think that I'm just the talent because yes, I'm a good, I, I love that part of my job presenting things and, and stuff like that. But at the core, it's like, no, I tell stories and I edit. That's my thing. So there was a huge insecurity in the beginning of like, oh no, if I delegate this, people are going to think I'm a fraud. But then you know, I had to pause and I'm just like, okay, this is the biggest, like if I want to do other things and expand, um, this is the biggest time suck that I have to delegate. Um, and also it doesn't have to be every single video. Uh, basically that allows me the time to now spend more time on the one or two videos per month that I'm really passionate about. Like a video I have coming out tonight is, um, it's longer video. I should have released it months ago, but it's the iPad uh, 2021 pro review. And, you know, I take my iPad video seriously. So, you know, I sat there and edited, it took me like multiple days. And I had that time because, uh, you know, someone else was editing and this is a new development by the way. So I'm not trying to brag. It's only been like three or four months of hiring a, a editor that is actually doing a really good job. Um, but it gives me more time to spend on videos that I care about. And it allows me to just think about the more high level things because then you get lost in the sauce. I mean, when you're doing every single part of the job with video creation, um, there is so little room for growing because you can't focus on like, hey, I don't look, I just in the past month is the first time I've ever looked at my analytics. Like I am not a YouTuber. Like I am not someone who will sit here and just be like, how do I be a better YouTuber? I'm like, no, that sounds like a fun video. And just this past year, am I like, hey, let's focus on titles and thumbnails. And guess what? My views are better. Shocker. So now I'm like, okay, how do we take this to the next level? And I just see it as when you build a team and it just allows you for more time for other things, but it also allows you to do the thing that you love for longer. Cause I'm trying to build structure so I can keep this going. And so I don't get burnt out and want to run away to the freaking mountains. Cause it happens like once a week, I'm just sure. like, you know, screw all this. Goodbye world. <laughs> well, that make a good video too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. No, I get it. That's when it's your thing. That's the hardest thing to delegate. So start with the stuff you're not good at. That's the first thing I delegated was like manager to do email and talk to people because I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, that's smart. Yeah, to have somebody do the stuff you don't like to do. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned focusing on structure and stuff. And, and so that kind of leads this, this other question from YouTube. John Jackson asked, what is Sarah's morning and or nightly routine? And I'd like to expand on that a little bit more and focus on how you structure like say your day in order to accomplish the the goals and projects that you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love Jay's comment too. Uh, oh. Step one, say yes to the job. Step two, figure out how to do the job. That's the story of my life. Oh, sure. <laughs> and in regards to like uh, the, the wedding films and stuff. Um, story of my life. So structure process. Um, I will say this, this has been a new thing. It's, it's again, uh, I think Rona and everything just allowed me the time to, uh, you know, at times I was like, okay, Sarah, stop freaking out and maybe take this time to like do the things that you've always wanted to do, like add structure. I'm, I'm still on that road. But, um, for me, it was a lot of, uh, again, looking at the higher level stuff and having the discipline to be like, excuse me, um, having the discipline to be like, 
title thumbnail don't make a video unless you have that and sometimes you know there will be times that i just want to make a video and then i'll deal with the consequences of my numbers just being down for the full month because youtube is really great at that <laughs> um but for the most part that was my biggest focus was like how do we start backwards. So for me, it was always like, oh, this cool thing. And like, let's make a video about it. And then I'll figure out title thumbnail later. So now it's like reverse. I'm like, before I buy this laptop, before I go to this event, what what's the video I'm actually going to get from it? And if I don't have a video for it, it's just it's just not worth it. And um, I've learned that also with even pre-Rona with CES and stuff, all of the content from CES is terrible for some reason. So if I don't have specific products to oh, actually highlight, mm -hmm. like no one wants to see anymore, like a, my CES top 10 recap or something. I'm just using this as an example. But in terms of going to CES, in terms of like buying the hotels and the plane, it's so expensive. Um, so a lot of the times that has to be, I've also shifted uh, some of my brand moments at CES to be like, hey, maybe I can do a talk for you. Maybe I can do this because I know any content or maybe I can do social content because that does better. Um, so I've just shifted everything I've done to like, I would love to be at CES with you, but YouTube videos don't do well there. How about this or, or something like that? Um, so really that's the biggest process change is my process is like completely flipped. And then it just starts with actually figuring out what I want to say on the video it takes me so long. Sometimes I can film a video and edit it in like two or three days and it's up. But like, for example, my iPad video, you'll watch it and you know, when you watch it, it doesn't seem like it took me two months to make it because I'm kind of in the same place and, you know, but it took me two months to figure out what I want to say. And it took me two months of like writing notes and notion. And then I will take all of the, you know, bullet points of just months of using it because I don't want to say the same thing everything everyone else is saying. So I have yeah. to figure out a unique, you know, angle. And then that's when I'm like, okay, let's put some of the most important bullet points into certain themes. Let's break it down into, you know, the number three is good. Let's break it up into three sections, make it kind of digestible for people and helpful for people. And then that's when I start filming. Ooh. So, yeah. Hmm. Dang. It's a lot more than you might think. It's always, it's always cool to look behind the scenes because yeah. the end product always seems simpler than it. Yes. Than it really well, is. that's the goal, right? It's the whole uh, good design is invisible. I think it's uh, same for videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, on videos, same like the script especially it always seems really really hard. I mean, we don't do much video content. We do a little bit, but man, that's so much harder than like a written article. Yeah. Or um, doing things live always seems mm -hmm. a lot easier to mm -hmm. me. But like when you're doing a video with a script, like it feels like you got to get it perfect, and it's really hard to write down the way you talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah. me at least. I yeah, I, that's why. I don't I don't do script scripts sometimes I'll do just it bullet points. but I'll just do bullet points and so that Ooh. way I can still sound natural um, and even like I set up you know I love this teleprompter setup I have where like I'm staring at 
the screen. I'm talking to you guys, but I'm staring also down the barrel of the camera, which is really cool. Um, and so sometimes I'll, I'll pull up my notes and sometimes I'll have, you know, maybe complex sentences I'll actually script out where I have to like for sure get it right. So it'll be right in front of my face. But yeah, I think the more, um, it's very, I feel like it's more challenging, like, uh, what Linus does to have everything scripted out. You're reading a teleprompter, you know, it's just, it's, it's different. It's different for everyone. But what I found is, uh, especially when I started working with an editor, I have to have, like I said, in the video that I made about you and premiere and all that stuff, I made that video probably five times because I never sat down and just bullet pointed it out and structured it. And so you spend so much time on the back end fixing it if you don't just sit down and just like jot it out, make sure it makes sense together, you know? And that's what I've learned working with an editor because those poor people, they didn't film with me. They don't know what I'm going to say. So it has to be linear. It has to make sense. So I think working with other team members also makes you better in other spaces as well. Thanks. I want to hit on this question that came up. Um, if it's still in there, where did it go? It's um, embarrassing to see that I have a label under me. Come uh, off on their own as you wash it over and over. <laughs> there, um, there had been a question from NPR nineteen ninety nine regarding uh, Adobe updates, and I wanted to t- t- kind of punt that one over to Matt, but I don't, I don't see it in the in the flow anymore. I had a bit of a a blip technical difficulty in it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I, I see it. I can read it out. Please. Um, he said, I've uh, been reading, not sure how true it is. Have Adobe updates screwed up the software and how it works uh, and how do high-end users cope with that? So I think they basically mean, I mean, because Adobe is putting out updates every two months or so and yeah, mm-hmm. there are bugs sometimes with them, especially their major updates. Um, and yeah, we have to deal with that all the time because like, if our customers run into issues, we're usually the first people they call because uh, mm-hmm. like getting a hold of adobe like i don't even know if adobe has like real support like you can go to their forums and usually their forums are actually pretty active but there's not like a phone support you can call as far as i know if you complain um, on twitter they'll get back to you yeah well they, they have a specific <laughs> like um they, they have a specific account for like support i, I know yeah. on twitter and that, i've mm-hmm. actually had good success telling people to like yeah. tweet it that's what i tell people i'm like the best avenue i've had is twitter but yeah, it's just, um, it just got to a point where I just, uh, if you're, okay, here's the thing, guys. So, and this is something I wish I said in my video. Um, the people who are making internet content, the new wave of media, which I guess I'm included in, we are the most abusive to these products and that we use different cameras. We use different plugins. We're always like innovating on like how we're making videos. Um, and that is so not like the industry, you know, the, the industry can use a four year old computer because they have a process of no matter what camera they're using, they are transcoding to ProRes. They are, they have process where everything is the same. They don't, they're not installing new plugins. They don't need that whoosh effect. You know, they're, they're not doing the things that a lot of people on on YouTube are doing. And as a result of that, 
according to that industry, everything is hunky dory. Everything's fine because also they're probably not updating as often as we are. Um, you know, it's very typical. I mean, just look at the music industry. People are still using the same pro tools from like five years ago because they know their plugins work perfectly on this specific build with this specific computer. That's why you always see the old Macs and studios, you know, you see the old like Apple displays and stuff. You're like, what is going on there? They just don't change because it works. Right. (laughs) And I think there is something to say about that with video, but at the same time with video, you literally are on the cutting edge and you want to be able to be using these new cameras because you want to use the new displays. You want to use the new TVs and see your beautiful 4k and the 422 10 bit and all that. So you are now under the illusion that, okay, I need to keep updating things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, if it's your job and you can't afford, I mean, that moving was one thing, but also then having premiere being just a terrible fit of inconsistencies was a nightmare. This summer, I have not been doing what I've been wanting to doing in terms of content. It's been a mess and it's, it's been because of the process. It's just, it, it was a mess and it was crashing. And, you know, I have videos of literally, uh, you know, what was happening, the freezing and just with basic, basic stuff. And you try to pinpoint the problem and you try to talk to the people who make the plugins and then they send you to Adobe within Adobe sends you to the people who make the plugins. And then you're like, the whole point of premiere is because everyone uses it. So you have great plugins that everyone makes. If you're saying that the plugins are the problem, then this has now become irrelevant because that's no longer a benefit of, you know, unique benefit to you. And yeah, I just, I, it took me like three years of issues, um, to finally just pull the plug and yeah, now I'm in resolve and I have, I've had one export issue, but it was something with like an NVIDIA driver. Um, but other than that, it's like when I'm actually editing, I don't even notice it. Cause it, it doesn't even, it's just, that's all I want is reliability. That's like, that's all I care about. Cause I just need to yeah. put out videos to the internet. That's all, <laughs> that's my job. And, and the frustration when you can't just do the basics of your job is the most infuriating thing ever, but. Yeah, I always like to just say, yeah. like, it's just like computers, like, I mean, we talked to a lot of people about Mac and PC and all that jazz. And mm-hmm. the answer is always it's a tool and get the one that's the right fit for you. And yeah. even with like between Premiere and DaVinci Resolve, I feel like it kind of swings uh, back and forth. And right now I feel like Blackmagic's doing a terrific job with Resolve. Mm-hmm. Premiere is kind of playing catch up. Um, and I, I, again, like you were saying, like the people who have really like polished workflows where everything is transcoded, uh, they're not using like iPhone footage that's you know variable frame rate or screen recording screen recording would kill me good god yeah do not if you have if your process has to do with anything involving screen recording just go away from premiere just don't even bother really good and, and a lot of it's like it's, it's, it's an understanding what's going on under the hood, which is really hard because they don't actually like publish all this stuff. But, like We did a whole bunch of testing recently about all the different flavors of H.264 and H.265, and it turns out Premiere Pro only supports hardware decoding for uh, 420 on mm-hmm. you know, H.265 and HVC, whereas yeah, Resolve talked, can do like, I went, everything. Yeah, yeah, I went to the forums trying to find the answer, and you can't even... I don't even know where you found that answer because I couldn't even find it. <laughs> oh, I just we didn't found find some... it. We had to test it ourselves. Oh, okay, okay. Well, there you go. That's why you guys are Right. But yeah, that's because, and that's what I put in my video too, is just the, you know, I found a few forums where a representative would be like, oh, at this time, 
they they didn't even say we don't support. They just they said something very general. So it's also very hard to get those answers. But yeah, it's um, it's a weird time for yeah. all of this. Well, and it is tough because it, like probably Adobe and Blackmagic, I mean, all of them, like they're bigger users, you know, Hollywood and all those guys, they're just using ProRes or they're transcoding. Yep. Um, it's it's all of these, you know, I mean, YouTubers, you know, people doing home movies, gamers, that they're using things that is not intended for editing. I mean, we're using mm-hmm. A64, A65 because that's what comes out of your camera. Mm-hmm. And um, Adobe and Blackmagic are doing a lot of work on that front but there's also just only so much they can do when it's a codec that's not made for editing it's just it's the worst thing i mean editing something out of an iphone can be harder than editing like red 8k yeah like red 8k no, at least true. you can throw some hardware at it and those you know and those consumers don't they don't like what do you mean transcode footage yeah what do you mean i have to put it in another program to make it what is prores what are you talking about you know yeah. what is 4222 template uh, what? <laughs> I don't care about that, right? Right. Um, they they but, just want I mean, it to work. They're like, oh, it's just coming out of yeah. an iPhone. The file is only 10 megs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a 30 minute video at 10 megs. It's like, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, knowing yeah, yeah. that, like, you actually have to be really deep in it. It's not a beginner mm-hmm. level thing. Yeah. Ooh. And that's, I think that's what I find so interesting about the overlap of all of this is you have YouTubers and content creators or people, maybe they're just even making TikTok videos. I don't know. Just the people on this side of the line, a lot of them are having to become more technologically, uh, you know, fluent with all this stuff than even people who are the pros in Hollywood, because they come to their computer every day and they have to learn something. They have to Google, they have to YouTube. Um, and I think there's something to say about both of that stuff, but there's also not like the perfect, I think what you said about, you know, you, regardless of your workflow, it's like, you have to be able to be agile. And that's why I think if you're a video editor and that's why me too even before this I wanted to learn all the other programs it's like I never want to be tied to one thing because like I need to just go with what's working and that's why I am agnostic in terms of like Mac or PC um I am fine on both uh I can't say that for my phone because I just you know having iMessage and stuff is great but in terms of like that programs I need to be agile I need to be able to go anywhere at any time because it is kind of it feels like the wild west right now which is like weird but it's the cameras the cameras are getting too good but <laughs> we also don't want to spend a lot of money on storage so we have these compressed Kodaks and it's a mess <laughs> yeah 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 at least storage cost is at least coming down it, it seems like yeah. it's getting easier but still are you getting like- hard drives cheaper now that chia mining has slowed down <laughs> uh, i don't think hard drive prices really were affected for us too much okay that's uh, good well, because we don't do a lot of mass storage um we do like nvme drives and ssds and those i don't think were as effective i don't know it, it didn't seem like it affected us much at least either that's way. good that's good yeah. now gpus gpus were terrible yeah. <laughs> This, that's getting better, though, too, now. Yeah, hopefully that's getting better, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really is. I don't know if it really seems better in retail, but for us as a system manufacturer, like us getting it through DISTI, like we can actually supply our, our all of our orders. We don't have a huge surplus, but yeah, that's we good. can at least ship stuff. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned TikTok, and I wanted to kind of. I saw some content recently. Um, I can't recall who it was, but the it was a video comparing and contrasting like what does the audience want between like a rough cut, just you know, chop chop chop, um, kind of a lot of jump cuts and and rough editing versus something very polished. And what are you, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, hmm. So that's something that it's so weird. You almost have to make a choice. I feel like, um, okay. in terms of, cause you can't do everything. Right. Sorry. I'm taking this question kind of like personally, instead of like my thoughts, cause like TikTokers are going to TikTok and they're doing sure. great and good for them. Um, and you know, that stuff like reels and TikTok, like there are moments where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get into this, this is how I'm going to do it. Cause, um, you know, I like humorous things and being goofy. So, but even if a platform, even if a platform even fits you, it's really hard to just like pivot everything, changing your mind to a different format, you know, vertical, short. I'm now, I'm trying to get my videos shorter down from 30 minutes. I'm randomly making these 30 minute videos and I'm like, how did I get here? So right now I'm kind of more focused on just like refining YouTube cause it's like my job, right? Mm -hmm. And then always, and that's why I wanna get better at building a team. Um, I've been kind of just taking a break on everything this summer, but just focusing on moving and stuff. But that's why going forward in the fall, that's such a big focus of mine is to, to build a bigger team. Cause I want to do more stuff. I want to have fun on TikTok and reels, but there's this thing that stops you from doing it. Cause, Oh no, it has to be perfect. It has to be native to that platform. It has to be X, Y, Z. Um, and you overthink and then you just never make for, for that kind of stuff. So I love all of it. I could do all of it, but at the end of the day, like you have to pick what's like paying you and what is like allowing you to do your job. And then hopefully you can take that and then, you know, pivot some of those resources to other things. So you continue to grow. Cause I don't want to sound like a grandma and be like, ah. but I will say, I will say all of these platforms, whether it's fine, TikTok, where do people always end up? You become an Addison Ray, you become a Charlie D'Amelio. What's the first step? You create a YouTube channel because people know that's where really not just the money is, but it's also where the opportunity is. It's where the entire world is. And that's why I don't feel too bad about not doing that other stuff is because it's like YouTube. That's OK as being my my main focus. It's, it's kind of weird. I, I don't know if I've just noticed it more recently or if it's actually becoming more of a thing, but it seems like more of the channels I at least follow are starting to have like two channels. They have their main channel mm-hmm. and they, they have a second channel that oftentimes is like, here's just the first cut of this video and that's mm-hmm. three yeah. times longer. And they put it there just because like some people want to get more into the weeds on something before you trimmed it down to a 10 minute video. Yeah. I mean, I almost do the opposite where like my, I have like a second channel that I don't really promote that much, but I just wanted to like game and play Halo. So I was like, if you want to do that, come over to this channel. Cause it's like the moment I did it on my main channel, YouTube is so cookie cutter and annoying. It's like, if you have one channel that's out of the blue and it doesn't do as well, it's like, well, your channel's screwed for the next month. So, um, I'm like, okay, this is something I'm doing for fun. I don't want to have to worry about the numbers. So, um, 
yeah, I think I think it'll become more common to kind of have that like shit posting channel, you know, like I'll just talk, talk to my audience on the iPhone for six minutes and let them know what's going on in my life, because I think you do lose a little bit of the casualness as you get bigger. And I think that's what makes YouTube great. So why not like have an avenue for that? Uh, yeah, we, um, I remember speaking with uh, Valentina V in the past, mm-hmm. and she had, she had okay. mentioned that um, she had mentioned that like you'd post this, you'd post a picture or a, a clip that's like finished and polished, and it'll get you know X number of views. But then you post like the behind the scenes, and that one will blow up way bigger. And um, I think that's that's a, like you said, it's a good to have kind of the both. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I think it's about variety because I think for that. That's like for her, I think that's the case because why people love her too is like, oh my gosh, she's knowledgeable. She's on these big sets. She knows how to use lights. Like, you know, uh, so if it's something that's not the norm, I find that always, you know, will outperform. Like if I just take a selfie. That will, you know, bring in the like likes. Um, so it's, I think it's all about like, okay, once you have, and that's why this job is so. Mm, that's why you're always learning on a job. I won't say frustrating, but <laughs> once you find a lane and you're like, cool, we're out here, we got process, everything is going great. The numbers start going down. You're like, oh, time to reinvent myself for the sixth time in like, you know, a year. So. Um, that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not to turn this into like a pitch sort of thing, but, um, not my fault. This is happening on YouTube. Ask Sarah, how are you liking the Puget PC? Do the fans stay quiet when scrolling through timelines or exporting? Oh yeah. I, I don't, I didn't even notice noise. I mean, um, that's a good thing. (laughs) We do that job right. Yeah. Yeah. Noise. I I can't even comment on that because I haven't heard any. Um, Maybe when I'm exporting, maybe it'll kick on, but it's doing great in terms of noise. But um, yeah, I think the most underrated thing was like, I know I wanted to have a lot of RAM, but at times I was like 128. That seems a bit much, you know, but like, oh no, I'm like, that was, that was the best decision. I feel like, cause like I, you know, I have the dual display set up and I have everything pulled up at all times. And I love it. That's probably like the, the best part is it's just like, it's just power, you know? And it's like, you don't have to worry about things. I mean, I think that's where my iMac finally had the, the iMac 5k finally had its final, uh, thing. It wasn't just in premiere, but it's like, again, like I said in the video, when I post videos, I have like every app known to me, I'm pulled up. It's like all, you know, Lightroom, Photoshop for thumbnails at times, even if I'm doing the video and resolve, I'll have premiere opened up for like social media stuff. Cause I just still like how the text and stuff is there. Um, ton of Chrome tabs. I'll have OBS pulled up from, you know, getting screen recordings for my video and it'll just be chaos. And I don't realize until I'm done, I'm like, Hey, didn't skip a beat. This is great. <laughs> you just when it takes to, you like yeah. 10 minutes to close everything at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, I think that's the biggest, uh, the, the biggest thing I've, I've been stoked on is just like, not, not worrying about anything. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, normal storage. Like when you run out of space on your hard drive, that's more in your face. But like your OS is doing that with RAM, like it has to yeah. go back and delete stuff. And if it doesn't yeah. have to do that, 
Like it's it's just so much more. Mm-hmm. You run into less issues. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've been a lot of my system. Well, my first PC ever actually was an AMD processor, um, but then I had you know a long streak of Intel um machines and then this was my first time back to an amd processor in a while and so i was kind of nervous about that um just because on the laptop side i haven't had the best luck but i was like dude when it comes to like 32 cores it's like what what could go wrong you know and, and it's been very reliable i haven't had i don't know how i would identify the processor being the the problem though i mean i haven't had any problems but Maybe you guys can speak to that, but I mean, just that's that's why we're here. If you're sort of running into problems, yeah. it's our job to figure out what it was. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but I've had it's just been yeah cranking, and I think when I was scrubbing through footage too, it was fun to see you know like the 32 cores light up and it was doing its job and resolve at least. And um, what with laptops, I think. And I'm just talking anecdotally here, so maybe you guys can have some numbers to back up. But with laptops, Intel, I feel like, does a lot more of the job of, like, forget speed, but they do, like, the, okay, instant wake. They worry about the things that you might like about a MacBook that you don't think about are features, and then Intel has to come along and be like, okay, OEMs, come on. We need, like, instant wake. We need better battery life. We need this. We need that. So when you go to a laptop with an AMD processor, those very basic things and just Thunderbolt, you know, like, stuff like that. The basic things that you're kind of used to on Windows laptop, it's not there. And that's where I was kind of like, ah, okay. But then that stuff doesn't matter on a desktop. So I, I've, I mean, Threadripper just, you know, shreds. Um, but that was my only hesitancy because, um, just with my experience with them on laptops, but they've gotten better. But anyways, that's my, I know Intel versus AMD is, uh, also controversial. Well, it's it's funny. It's not as controversial when AMD's on top. When Intel's on yeah. top, it seems more controversial. But exactly. like, it, like you're saying, you had a lot of Intel systems for a long time. And that's because I mean, Intel was just on top for so long. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. now AMD, like, what are we up to? It's like sixty some no seventy or eighty percent of our systems we sell are AMD. Wow! Right now. Wow! And like, it wasn't that a year or two ago. Yeah. yeah. No, that's um, interesting. I was wow. conservative just, in my post about over 50% because I wasn't totally sure, but I knew it was closer to like 80. Yeah. It, it's it's a lot. Like Threadripper kind of demolished a lot of the, like, what is it, the Intel X series? Yeah. I don't even, we even sell those anymore? I, I don't um, know. It just like I, totally replaced them. Yeah. We um, still have a C422 system. I think okay, the, yeah, the Xeon that's Gold. Yeah. Yeah. But well, X299 and, is out. Yeah. And the people who bought, I don't, I still don't understand this release, but the people who bought the $10,000 mac pros with it's just like and you know they didn't even come out with more modules and it already seems like a forgotten product and it's just when you start because you know i'm sure when people see a build that's three four five six thousand dollars and it's a pc they're just like oh my gosh but then you see you know there's a lot of professionals again probably in hollywood who use prores and it doesn't even matter the mac pro that's spec'd out but they'll spend 15 20 30k on that mac pro and i'm just like 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I think some of it is the I mean, Apple has a reputation for quality and the great support. And you can just take it down to, you know, their store and get it replaced, true, 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 true. Uh, which I think, I mean, especially in those industries, that has a ton of value. That's more valuable yeah. than raw performance. That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas on the PC side, it's a lot more like Wild West. Like y- you have like the Dells and HPs where like, okay, you know, like it's going to have okay support. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be but great. But then have fun uh, with the hours on the wait time with the phone calls. Yeah. Uh, and then you have like mom and pop shops um, that like they could be great. They could be terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's very few companies that, I mean, I'm going to you know say that we're the best. You know, obviously I'm going to say that. There's okay. very few companies Getting though that are like us that spend a lot of time and effort on making sure we're educated on you know the software and the workflow so we can actually help people through problems when when they come up rather than just saying oh no it's adobe's fault yeah um, just like what you were saying yeah. with between adobe and plugin developers like we don't ever want that um so whereas going with apple like you know it's going to be a very consistent quality and, re- and reliability and support so i think that's probably yeah. part of it is they can't they're not going to get in trouble for outfitting their their editors with with Mac Mac Pros, even if yeah. they spend twenty thousand dollars. I understand the support side of things, yeah, but in terms of reliability, I don't. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's over, but yeah, the past four years have been weird for Apple with the butterfly keyboard and all of that yeah. stuff. It's like now I I have almost as much skepticism with some of their machines as I do with random PC manufacturers just because of my experience. But they get the simple stuff right. I mean, I remember I had um, because I'm a big fan of the Dell XPS line. They're two in ones. That was one of my favorite just kind of grab and go laptop for a really long time. So when I got the new version, I was excited, but I kept having issues. Literally, I had two different computers that had the same issues in a row just with display flickering and I and I just couldn't figure it out. So it's like with random like with the stuff that should just work, you know, like displays and stuff. I think Apple's still the king of that. But in terms of workflow, just with, you know, now that we have the M1, it's obviously amazing with so many things, but I'll still run into issues just with like audio stuff, like plugging in a USB mic and recording in GarageBand. I well, cannot still... get that to work for some reason. Like it's it, like when I record and you listen to it back, it's like, it's just, so there's still these little things and quirks. So yeah, you kind of have to wait for things to, and again, I guess to your point, maybe that's why they are buying this $10,000 overpriced Apple bins. Cause you know, they know they can trust what's inside, even if it's not the best. And then they have support to back it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and too, like with the M1 stuff, like I'm very interested to see what they do on the higher performance stuff because like the M1 yeah. MacBook, I mean, I, I have one back, back there. I, I, yeah. I love it, actually. But it's still it's an ultra book like, yeah. yeah, it does really well in lightweight applications like like Photoshop. It, it's amazingly good. Uh, but Premiere Pro, they finally launched the uh, yesterday, the, the native version. Yeah, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've been writing some tests on it. And it's like. Yeah, it's it's an ultrabook. Like for an ultrabook, it's pretty darn good, but it's still you know the thir- third the performance of like a desktop. So mm-hmm. if if you're actually doing yeah. editing professionally, yeah, it can get you by if you go on the go. Yeah, and that's why home. I'm like, guys, I don't even care what it is, Mac or PC. 
just get a desktop. If you do things professional, I can't tell you how many of my random problems went away when I just moved my workflow to a desktop. Cause it, it makes sense. Your parts have more room to breathe and they're actually being actively cooled and like you're not moving it everywhere. And it's, I, I don't know, it's just like, it seems simple, but it's like, it's such a big step to take in terms of reliability and consistency. I guess that's the point is you just want something that's going to work. Yeah. Well, and it's so much more simple. Um, yeah. I mean, a, a laptop has so many moving parts. I mean, literally moving parts with like the <laughs> screen and stuff. Uh, back when we sold laptops, like it was amazing how many like displays we had to replace. Um, yeah. And it was, oh man, one of the reasons why we don't sell laptops anymore is because they kept changing it. Like, yep. oh, huh. I guess they changed the display or they changed the connector. All right, great. Well, now to fix it, we basically have to rip apart a new one. Right, um, right. At least Apple doesn't have that problem because they actually control everything. But, yeah. Right. Which there's power in that. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of power. I mean, that's why like Final Cut uh, can be pretty darn good. And, and like Thunderbolt for the longest time, I mean, Thunderbolt was an Apple only thing. And even now, mm -hmm. I think Thunderbolt is probably more reliable on Apple than it is on PC because they control everything. You know, the, mm -hmm. the OS, the drivers, the hardware. Um, it's one of the reasons why we have to do a whole lot of qualification on the motherboard side for us is for Thunderbolt because mm. a lot of motherboards, it doesn't end up working well. And so we have to be very careful that we're only selling yeah. motherboards with Thunderbolt that actually works. does well on the the I guess PC Ultrabooks, they I think they've nailed it in their laptops, which is good because I've when I had my first uh, you know 2016 MacBook Pro, that was the benefits. You know you had these US powerful USB C ports that were also Thunderbolt, so exciting. Um, but the actual physicality of those ports, my drives would always disconnect because it just wouldn't latch for some reason, the USB-C. And for some reason, when I just went over to PC, it was just like so much better. Um, but they've gotten way better now for some reason, you know, the... It started in 2019, really, with their refresh of MacBooks, but the M1s, mm. you know, I, I don't have those issues anymore. So there's so many issues all the time with everything. <laughs> that's what it is. Anything that's a computer or electronics or yeah. software. <laughs> that's why, yeah, I can't post more videos because yeah. half the time I'm just troubleshooting things. Yeah. 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 That's one of the reasons why I tell people, like, Okay, first thing, make sure Creative Cloud isn't set to auto-update because it tries to trick you into enable auto-update on applications. Yes. Like, no, don't do that and never mm -hmm. update unless there's something you actually need. Like, read mm -hmm. the update notes. If there's nothing in there that's going to benefit you, forget it. Don't do it. Yep. There's no yeah. reason to update if, like, it adds M1 support when you don't have an M1 laptop. Mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter uh, there's a lot of, like, people sad because you guys i guess aren't uh global or you only ship in the u.s or or, or what is that because yeah. i see someone's like i wish you guys sold your systems in the uk is that to just maintain the level of support yeah mostly so we, we used to do international and one the paperwork is a pain like yeah. shipping international is a pain uh, we had a lot of problems with like um like customs fees people didn't realize that when they got delivery of the system there was also custom fees that we can't mm. pay they have to pay yep. um <laughs> And, um, yeah, support side. Like, if we have to ship a repair part, like, oftentimes, like, we'd say, like, this is a repair. We'd file it all the forms correctly, and they still try to charge the customer, like, custom fees, which they shouldn't on a repair part. Weird. So that was a huge pain. Um, it just turned Phone into... Calls. 
I yeah. mean, L- yeah, yeah, L- London's, London is eight hours ahead of us. Like, <laughs> We're not big enough to have 24-7 support <laughs> yet. No, that uh, makes so sense. It, it, just, it just turned into it wasn't a good experience for us, and it wasn't up to the level of quality that we hold ourselves to for our customers. Um, so we're, we're starting to work on some new programs that we're hoping to kind of offset this. One is um, we're making our consultation be something that can be separate from the system so people can mm-hmm. pay for the consulting side of things. We help them like figure out exactly what the right hardware is, even if they're not buying it from us. That's smart. Uh, and two, we're trying to start setting up basically a network. Uh, so like... Hey, yeah, in the UK, let's find a company there that builds PCs that we can vet is is a high enough quality level that we can say, okay, well, yeah, we don't ship to the UK, but here, go to these guys. That's smart. Uh, yeah. We vetted them. Uh, possibly even we've given them like training on like training workflows, so, you know, like yeah. the support side. They can they can help. So that's something we're starting to get into. It's a lot harder <laughs> than we thought to find really yeah. really good quality companies. I think we have a few though that we're starting mm-hmm. to point people to. Yeah, but. yeah oh, that makes sense. And yeah, same with laptops. Stuff. Same, same with yeah. laptops too. Because um, oh man, I wish you guys still did laptops. And I still have one of the older ones that we used to have, that we used to sell, and it's fifteen pounds without the power brick. And it's it's just so we we're working on that too, as well as to, um, kind of vetting what what's good for a professional style laptop that at least kind of gets you where you need to be. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, just cool. like how you were saying, how you have to re- reinvent yourself every six months kind of for YouTube. We don't have to do it as often, but like, you know, eventually, like we know eventually everything's going to be in the cloud. Um, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, but eventually, you know, that's going to be one yeah. thing. So eventually workstations aren't going to be a thing, probably. Yeah. Uh, but also, too, like... Yeah, you know, there's so much stuff out there. If we want to keep growing as a company and being successful as a company, we can't just do the same thing always and forever. It's like, I mean, we started off doing like gaming computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it, we've already been involved in it. It's just keeping ahead of that, you know, knowing what's So the what next does thing. that, I mean, I think that's interesting to talk about. What does that look like? Because you already have, um, I forgot what that new startup is called. It's like Mighty or something where basically, uh, you know, it says, hey, ditch Chrome, we run your browser on the cloud, right? So it doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter if you have a crappy computer, you just pay us a monthly fee. Uh, and you know, your internet is now the uh, being run through our servers, essentially. Hmm. Um, interesting. I don't think people are going to pay that high monthly fee just to like run a ton of Chrome tabs, right? But it's like the beginning of I feel like what you know, is coming. Yeah, there is that for workstations. Like, um, I mean, you can do it on a manual route and, with like Amazon uh, no, web services. using your computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or there's um, probably the closest is a Bebop, Bebop technology. Definitely. They do remote, hmm. it's basically a remote desktop, but it's they're tailoring it for content creators. Huh. But the hard thing with anything that's cloud-based is the hardware you use for cloud services is not the right hardware you use for like Premiere. Uh, because it's all about like tons and tons of cores and like video cards that allow multiple users to come on at the same time. Um, and so it can be good for some stuff, but uh, what was it? I was at a, is that NAB like two years ago and it was an Amazon presentation and they get through all this stuff about their Amazon web services and stuff. And at the very end they sneak in like, oh yeah, you're not going to be editing HD content, you know, with this. You're going to have to work with, you know, 720p proxies, hmm. but, but it's great for that. After you talk about how great it is for like an hour, yeah. and then everyone yeah. just lost interest at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing with cloud is too, like, 
you have to edit where your data is. And so if you want to edit on the cloud, you've got to upload all of your footage to the cloud mm -hmm. before you can really start doing stuff. Um, and the price point. is expensive. Like even Bebop, yeah. um, I think it's fairly reasonable for what it is, but you're still, for a full-time editor, you're going to be paying yeah. seven or $8,000 a year. Wow. Like, heck, just and buy it, a new computer every year. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So interesting. Yeah. And it's like, as much as, uh, I don't know, just internet speeds in general. I guess me yeah. living in New York City for five years, I guess, was kind of spoiled because they actually do a really good job on like, you have the choice of like two internet providers and you, oh, That's just crazy. Like, um, and uh, exactly. And, you know, like, if it's not gig internet, it's, you know, uh, like 500 up and down. Um, so I had really good luck in New York and I thought that's just how life was because my parents had access to Verizon Fios for all eternity. And then I moved back and I'm in this building that has a deal with Spectrum. So they, you can't get anything else. Nope. Inspector, that's cable. So I'm only getting like 35 up. So I'm like, for these cloud services to actually be a thing, it's like, we gotta do some work with our infrastructure in the entire United States. And how long is that yep. gonna take? Yes. Yep, <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I'll maybe give it like a full lifetime. Maybe yeah. my grandchildren will be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, and also even on the, the, the really high end, uh, what we hear a lot, like even at like Hollywood level, is they're so concerned about data security yeah, that yeah. they like they don't allow anything off the premises. Like even like if you talk <sighs> to like Amazon or like the Zero team from Microsoft, like they'll talk about how like no, the data is more secure on the cloud than it is in your local system. But it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. It's the the feeling yeah. behind it, the emotion behind it. When you have Marvel delivering their film reels in armored trucks, like I don't think they're oh. going to trust a cloud service to like just distribute yeah. that to theaters. You know? Yeah. So, so what we're starting to see uh, a little bit is kind of a hybrid where they might have a private cloud where instead of the data going up to the cloud, they have all their workstations locally, but then they have yeah. remote access to those. So their editors can be at home, they can be at the office, they can be on Makes the road, sense. and they remote into the same physical workstation. Yeah. And that way your data is in the right spot. Um, you can set up. See, that everything. makes the most sense to me. Like, yeah, I think so. Uh, like a Parsec <laughs> would make more sense than like the Bebop thing or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 We've been trying to work a little bit with, uh, is it, it's Terry. Teradici, right? Because it, 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 I kept confusing it with you. Reminds of Teradici. Yeah, so it's Teradici, um, <laughs> and so they do. It's it's like remote KVM um, that's mm. supposed to be really low latency and stuff. And we've been having a hard time getting it working on our systems, but um, even just using standard like Microsoft Remote Desktop, like that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I use Chrome remote desktop all the time. I yeah. whenever I leave my place, I make sure you know, my desktop computer, um, my Puget desktop computer is running on Chrome remote desktop because I always forget files. So that allows me to just like remote in, grab the files, I'll just upload them 
to either my NAS or Google Drive from my desktop computer, and then I can have it on my laptop, you know? Nice. Easy yeah. as that. I think the <laughs> biggest thing is color. If you're doing color work, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't want to do it over. But like for editing and stuff, like, man, yeah. you can edit probably no, with yeah. 480p proxies. Like, definitely, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I use it strictly for like, oh, I need this file, so I'm going to mm -hmm. upload it, then download it. I've never actually tried, or I guess I have, I have exported a video and uploaded it. I have done that, but the video was done. So I've, I've like, you know, gone in, remoted in from my MacBook using Chrome remote desktop to my Puget PC and just press the export button and it's exporting my desktop. And then I'll take that file and just upload it to YouTube because the internet at my house, you know, it's wired in, it's better as well. So I've done that, but I haven't done to the extent of like editing something. Cause yeah, yeah. it still scares me a little bit. Yeah. It, it's starting to get there. Uh, like I know there's a few solutions that you can do like dual displays and everything. I think that's a big thing. Once you can actually do dual or triple displays and you know, do all of that. But the problem is the more data you're pushing through, the more it has to, you know, encode it. And then it's like, you know, like think of a, you know, a YouTube video where they didn't get like their encoding settings quite right like it's mm -hmm. it's a little rough uh, but, yeah. but it's getting there like even us um all of our test beds that we use for our labs testing they're all on hardware level uh ipkvms mm -hmm. and it's not bad they're not made for this so, like there's a bit of mouse delay and lag but yeah. even that like you kind of get used to it over time so if they can fix all that kind of stuff man i'd love to just like it's my home computer or my computer at the office and it doesn't matter if i'm on my laptop or you know on the go or anywhere it's the same mm -hmm. computer like that sounds wonderful to me that'd be great yeah that's awesome <clears throat> yeah so we're right up on our hour i had one more question i'm curious to know um is there anything looking forward in the next like maybe five years or so that you're super stoked about what a great question i think i am stoked about what we talked about earlier is like stopping insecure about delegating the things you're good at because that's how you're going to grow and learn new things and it's allowed me to you know essentially like start another job like i have this creative space in uh dallas like a rental photo photo studio that i've been able to spend time with and also run my youtube channel so i think i'm just most excited about like trying new things and how i do that is essentially like building a great team around me um and learning how to do that because that is like the the hardest thing to do when you go from um i don't know if anyone in the audience has read the book the e-myth but they talk a lot about a difference between the technician the manager and the entrepreneur like um and you have to be all three of those things when you run a youtube business right you have to be the technician you have to be down and dirty editing stuff you need to know that but you also need to know how to like manage people which is like such a different skill but then you also have to be at the highest level a person who's thinking about the future and what is coming up and always being agile so um i think i have the technician part down and the dreamer part down um but it's that middle phase of like understanding how to work with humans and, and be a better boss which i think is the hardest part and yeah being better at just like documenting process and setting that up it's not the sexiest thing to talk about so i hate that that's the thing that i'm excited about but um i think that's what i'm looking the most forward to because it'll just allow me to live more life which means just do more work but different kinds of work so it stays exciting yeah awesome well, cool oh 
Awesome. Well, thank you very much. That does bring us a little bit over our hour, so um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Is there anything that you would like to mention or shout out or, or request of the Nothing, audience? No, thanks for having me. Thanks for building my PC. It's awesome. Oh. Sorry it took me so long. Yeah, I'll keep uh, tagging you guys in my descriptions of the videos because I really appreciate it. It's like it just works. Thanks, awesome. guys. No, I like, <laughs> I like to hear that. That's great. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for taking time out of the day to join us today. Of course. Of course. Yeah, please. Uh, Matt, you as well. Thank you for taking time. I know you're a busy guy working on benchmarks and all kinds of keeping up with Adobe updates and all the things that they break. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, and um, I have to say for, from both of you, I'm excited to see um, uh, the new M1 content about yeah, yeah. The, the new uh, Adobe update. So that's going to be super exciting in yep. the next few days, weeks, months. It's going to be great. Um, and thank you as well to the audience for joining us today. Uh, we have now moved our, it used to be on Fridays. It's now Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific. So Mark, change your calendar updates for that. Uh, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific. We have external experts like Sarah and our internal experts like Matt joining us every, every week. So, um, yeah, thank you guys very much, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye.